You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to Becky All Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little college football is Kelly Ford of Kelly Ford Rankings, which you can check out at kfordratings.com. You can also check out his work at thelines.com. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Let's jump right on into the college football semifinal, and let's begin with the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. I know we have had a long time to dissect this game. As you look at things a little bit more deeply and look at additional matchups and maybe even the coaching uh, advantage or disadvantage somewhere, has something new come to the surface? Have you noticed something that maybe has you adjusting your model just a little bit? Yeah, Ed, uh, happy holidays to you and Aaron. appreciate you guys having me on. As always, you're right. It's been a long time. These coaches have a long time to repair. Oftentimes, that favors the underdog, which does sound weird to say here. That is Alabama in this case. We're not used to saying that. But oftentimes, that's kind of what you find in these games that have the long layoffs. As I've really dove into it, nothing, quote, new has popped off the page to me. But just, you know, at a, at a high level here, Michigan's been my number one power-rated team since the midpoint of the regular season. They boast the nation's number one offense and number six defense by my numbers. The Wolverines have the highest floor, Ed, of any team in college football. They simply don't play poor games. The seven-point win at Maryland, who I actually have power-rated in the top 35, so still a good opponent. It's probably their worst performance of the season outside of maybe sleepwalking in the first half against really bad opponents early in the year. Um, and even in that game against the Terps, you can say Michigan likely already had an eye towards the game against the Buckeyes the following week. So depending on what source you use, Michigan has at least nine national championships to its name. But per my historical power ratings, this is the best team ever fielded in Ann Arbor they simply wow. don't have a weakness this year, Ed and Aaron. I mean, that's, that's what it boils down to for me on the Michigan side. On the other side, for Alabama, not only is this not the best Alabama team ever like it is for Michigan, this is the worst Alabama team, <laughs> at least per my power ratings, since 2013. But as I've said time and time again this season, Alabama did not need to be better than the previous versions of itself. The Crimson Tide only needed to be better than the teams on its schedule in 2023. And outside of that week two game against Texas, that's exactly what Alabama has been this year. If Michigan has the highest floor of any team in the college football, in college football, Alabama has the highest ceiling, at least of the teams in the CFP. I mean, one week after needing a fourth and goal from the 31 to beat a six and six Auburn team, albeit in a rivalry game, I get all that. This, this Crimson Tide team, they took down two-time reigning national champs, Georgia in Atlanta. The Tide's defense is currently number seven in my unit rankings. It's been as high as number four. The offense bottomed out at number 29 early in the year. 
They've rebounded all the way back up to number 12. Ed, my model makes this Michigan minus four and a half. So strictly based on that, the recommendation would be to lay the points with the Wolverines. But as you pointed out, with a month to prepare, I think it's more likely than not that we do get Alabama's A game. And as I said, they have the higher ceiling. If we do, I think it's enough to win this game outright. Either way, the winner of this game should be favored in the national championship game. Wow. So do you think the the fact that Michigan didn't play like the same type of competition that Alabama did could like kind of catch them here? Does that concern you? It's it's a good question, Aaron. I'm not sure I have that concern about Michigan because we've seen them go on the road to Penn State, who I have power rated number four. And people will say, Kelly, their offense is terrible, that Penn State offense. It's not terrible. I mean, it's top 25 good, but it's not like a great offense. I'll give you that. They also played Ohio State at home, an Ohio State team who, for some reason, was not getting any conversation. Like Georgia was, hey, well, if we want the four best teams, Georgia's in there. No one was mentioning Ohio State when, if you look at it from a numbers perspective, from a Vegas perspective, Georgia's got that two-time defending national champion. Ohio State doesn't have that, obviously. But based on what we saw this year, Ohio State is one of the best four teams in the country. Michigan took care of their our tribal Buckeyes third straight year at home, winning by six. So those are their two most high-profile games and high-profile wins. It's not concerning to me, Aaron, that they haven't been, quote, battle-tested against better teams because I think at their top-end games, they've shown they can win, and this team can win different ways. I mean, this defense, it's so good. It's the number one defense in the country. Anytime you have a defense that good, you're going to have a chance to win the game. And I don't think this offense makes a lot of mistakes. And so to me, that's what it boils down to. That's why this floor is just so high for this Michigan team. They're not going to beat themselves. This might be a tough dynamic to, I guess, quantify, but this is what we do, right? Like we tackle the tough challenges and try and put numbers to it. So when we get to the Sugar Bowl and we're talking about Texas versus Washington, of course, the Longhorns are four-point favorites, total 63 and a half. So we're expecting uh, two high-flying offenses in a game like this. I guess my question has more to do with how Texas will approach a game like this, because I I'm completely with you, uh, you know, in terms of modeling and just, you know, intuition that yes, the winner of the Rose bowl should be favored to win the national championship. Uh, once you get to that game, but I do wonder if say like Texas breaks out some of the trickery, how much they want to do that in the sugar bowl versus the national championship game. And it's one of those deals where you and I both know that anytime head coaches say, okay, we're taking this one game at a time. No, that's hogwash. It's not true. The players might, but the coaches definitely, they are planning ahead if they've got stiff, stiff competition coming up. So I'm curious really for Texas and maybe to an extent, Washington, if it's something where maybe they reserve some of those trick plays and all of those, you know, chunk opportunities for the national championship game. And if that say can be quantified in some way. Yeah, it's for, for, I agree with you, Ed, and the coaching staffs are large enough now that the majority of the focus is on Washington. However, as soon as the bracket was released, there were some people on the coaching staff, and this is not just at Texas, this is on all four teams that were assigned, okay, you're going to look at the two different, you're going to look at one of the opponents, you're going to look at the other possible opponent we could have in the national championship game if we win. And you're right, you do want to maybe save something for that national championship game, but you have to be careful because you have to make that game, obviously, right? For Texas, Texas is back, right? All too common saying this past decade, people either started laughing at it, they rolled their eyes at it, and then laughed, or they simply ignored it. But it's like the boy who cried wolf. Like, it just kept saying it over and over and over. It never ended up being real. Well, finally it happened. You know, the wolf came. Here we are. Texas is back. 
in my power ratings, along with some others out there, kind of forecasted that we were building towards this. I mean, per my historical ratings, this is the best Texas team since 2009. That was the year Colt McCoy got injured in the national championship game, and they lost to Alabama. This team is legit. I don't think they need to resort to trickery in this game, Ed. You know, a play, two plays, but I really don't think so. The, the trickery is reserved for the teams that need to make up for the talent disadvantage. And Washington fans might get offended that I'm saying that, but the reality is there is a talent edge here for Texas. It's why they're a favorite. My numbers agree with that. This offense ranks number nine. The defense is number 10. Overall, I have the Longhorns number seven in my power ratings. That's actually one spot lower than they were in the preseason but their raw rating is about three and a half points better now than it was in the preseason. This will be the best opposing offense the Longhorns have faced all season. So on the defensive side, they're going to have to be shored up. But from a pure talent standpoint, it's clear why they're the favorite here for Vegas and for my model. So I don't expect we'll see a lot, if any, of trickery from Texas, especially on the offensive side, because that's where they have kind of an advantage. And they might need those trick plays uh, in the national championship game should they get there. Also, for the Longhorns, how much of an advantage is it that they have all these really good receivers versus a very vulnerable Husky secondary? That's exactly it, Aaron. I mean, that's that's what this game boils down to for me. We, we can talk all we want about the Washington offense and, and how good they are led by Michael Penix Jr., but the question mark is the defense. And I want to be clear, the defense is better this year than I projected coming into the year. I had them number 50 in the projections. They rose to as high as number 23 early in the year, but they have since fallen kind of steadily and gradually down to number 40. That's where they've kind of lived for the last month, month and a half. That is the big question mark. That is the only unit in this game that ranks outside the top 10 nationally. And it is the secondary uh, in particular matching up against those Texas receivers. I mean, that's the big difference. Can Washington get enough stops? Can they shut down that great receiving core of Texas? And if they can, Aaron, there's no reason that Washington can't and won't win this game. I mean, they've proven me, they've proven Vegas wrong multiple times this <laughs> year. If they can win that key matchup, I, I'll go out on a limb and say they're likely to, to to prove us wrong once again. So what does your model say for the Sugar Bowl and how this will play out? Yeah, so like I said, I've doubted the Huskies before. I'm doing it again. Um, I've drawn a lot of I've drawn a lot of parallels between the 2022 TCU team and the 2023 Washington team. And Husky fans, I mean, they seem to get offended by that. It's really not. It's really not meant to be an insult at all. Yes, the Horn Frogs got blown out in the national championship game against Georgia last year, but they made the national championship game. 129 other programs would have loved to have been in TCU's position. Um, I just. I think this Washington team has a lot of similarities there. They just keep winning, even when the power ratings, like mine, suggest that they won't. My model does have Texas by about five and a half, so a little bit more than Vegas in this one. But I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Washington finds a way to get it done in this game, just like TCU did as an underdog last year. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In about two and a half hours, we'll have some football. Virginia Tech versus Tulane. Anything you like in this matchup? 
Let me go to that really quickly here uh, for this game. Tulane, of course, not having the end of the year that they envisioned. Uh, everyone around that program wanted to get back to the new year six. Um, not quite the same level of talent as last year's team, but better than the 2021 team. So still a really good team in Tulane. Um, they're my number 20 biggest overachievers this year. Two and a half points or two and a half wins more than expected. Excuse me for Virginia Tech. Um, I mean, a really good season from a power rating standpoint. They improved their power rating four and a half points over the course of the year. They only won about one more game than projected, but from a pure, you know, performance standpoint, Virginia Tech, a very, very good team. My numbers make this one about Virginia Tech minus nine. So I think it's pretty darn close to the Vegas spread. So not a ton of value in this game for me. Also, Aaron, as I'm sure you guys have talked about in bowl season, I mean, outside of really the national or the CFP, because even the new year six, you see yeah. so many factors at play player opt-outs transfers, coaches, changing jobs, different levels of motivation. Is this team just here for the vacation, right? That's what we always hear. Handicapping bowl season. I just kind of put my hands up. I, I don't know. I mean, they're fun. <laughs> I, I love watching the bowls. It's really hard to, to find value, at least in my opinion, in these bowls, because there's so many different factors at play in bowl season that just aren't at play in the regular season. When I don't have to account for these things, the model performs really, really well. When you have to try to make these adjustments, there's a lot of guesswork, and that's where I'm like, oh, the science isn't really there. Now I'm now I'm doing the art. No, that's that's part of it, and and also too, like you'll have bowl games that might be uh, closer distance for one team versus another, like the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where North Carolina is playing in Charlotte, but they're six point <laughs> underdogs to West Virginia with a total of fifty nine and a half. So that's probably another one where yes, you have this additional factor that you have to bear in mind. And even though home field advantage is a real thing, you go, okay, well, does it matter in a bowl game when tickets are allocated? <laughs> totally. Travel is absolutely one of those things you're looking at too. And this game, my numbers, again, with, with all the different opt-outs and the things that we're looking at, the model really nailed North Carolina at full strength this year. Uh, finished the year within a half a point of where the power ratings were. Finished the year right on the money with the win-loss projection. So North Carolina, their offensive defensive unit ranks both within about five of where they started. North Carolina was was spot on in the model this year. West Virginia, a team that overachieved. I mean, they won three and a half, three more games than we projected coming into the year. That's a top ten overachiever. Three and a half points improvement in the power rating from preseason to current. Uh, in this game, with the opt outs that we have, absolutely can understand why West Virginia is a favorite. If we were at full strength here, I think that might be a different story, especially given where you said this game was taking place there in Charlotte. It. But yeah, West Virginia should win this game based on who's playing and just how excited teams are to be here, right? Like North Carolina, they were they weren't the favorite in the ACC, but they were among the favorites. Like this team had their eyes on potentially playing in Charlotte, not now in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, but a month ago in the ACC championship game with maybe a surprise trip to the CFP if, if things broke right. That of course didn't happen. West Virginia going into the season, Neil Brown, like everyone wants to fire Neil Brown. Oh, this is it. Let's just lose a couple games early, get rid of him. Well, they turned it right around and had one of their best seasons in a long time. So, yes, I think West Virginia probably does enough to win this game. But, again, it's bowl season. I mean, for crying out loud, we're going to pull May poor Mayo on the winning coach here. I don't know what's going to happen on the field here. But West Virginia should win the game. <laughs> Gross. That just seems wasteful. I would, just wasteful, That sounds Aaron. like a punishment. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so, right. do you have a strong opinion with all these variables that, you know, we have to factor in for these bowl games? Any of these uh, – bowl games that we haven't touched on that you have a strong opinion about yeah i think from a power rating standpoint the one let me try to find it really quickly the one that i'd identified for the post christmas uh i had one pick for the post christmas up uh, straight up upset give me one second let me find them as i'm trying to filibuster here 
because I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. I did call the Georgia Tech um, outright winner in the pre-Christmas, so that one did work out. Here we go. Post-Christmas, Oregon State, at least at the time I was doing this, was about six-and-a-half-point underdog. I think they might be able to win it outright against Notre Dame in a game coming up here before too long. Rice, four-and-a-half, is one that I was looking at as well. We, oh, we've already played that game. Forget that. Um, and then Maryland, if you could find a plus three, is what I had made the note of uh, previously here. So for me, it's Oregon State. They've got their game against Notre Dame coming up. I believe it's on Friday. But as we were talking about before we came on air, I kind of forget what day it is during this time of year. So one of these (laughs) days coming up here, Oregon State's going to play Notre Dame. I think Oregon State as an underdog might have a chance to win that game outright. Again, it worked with Georgia Tech against UCF. Uh, We'll see if Oregon State can come through as well. Yes, Notre Dame is taking on Oregon State in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. So in other words, you're saying that the Beavers are great? The Beavers are great, Ed. You nailed it right there. Absolutely. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Kelly Ford of kfordratings.com and thelines.com. Happy New Year to you and yours. Thanks so much for dropping by. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Aaron reaches through the camera to slap me across the cheek for that joke. And we'll get to lightning bets as well right here on the BetQL Network.